Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Venom makes some carnage at the theaters. It's time to play the squid game. And look out, bad guys. It's the New York Ninja. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can't, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, and Vampires at Beat Day, Woo! it is sincerely appreciated. Plus, also remember, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook is the number one tabletop RPG streamer that's out there. Take that critical role. So if you want to go ahead, I know they just announced their season three and all that stuff during their next campaign. But hey, even better than that is Vampires and Vitae because that season two is coming up, which is more important than Critical Role. If you want to check that out, we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. Likes, follows, anything that you can do to help us out. It is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend, she is the mastermind behind many of our tabletop <laughs> RPG streams you can catch on Facebook, including the upcoming Vampires and Vitae, which she is so excited for. It is my good friend indeed. It is Melinda Barkhouse. And Melinda, great to have you back on the show once again. Pleasure to be here, as always. Yes, my fellow host, indeed. In fact, she and I have got a lot to talk about. I do want to go ahead and mention that there's a part two coming up later in the program with John Orlando on the State of Pro Wrestling. And for everyone out there on radio, if you get a chance, please check out the State of Pro Wrestling part one that I dropped on Wednesday. It was a conversation I did, I think, back in August with John, where we talked about where the State of Pro Wrestling was at that time. Thought I'd just throw it up there for kicks, and it's really done well, and I cannot thank you enough for listening out there. We truly appreciate it. I've got part two, which is an update on that, which is what has happened since in regards to SummerSlam, All Out, 
all the changes in personnel for both AEW and WWE. We'll give you a quick update on our thoughts. Has our opinions changed on the state of pro wrestling? We'll be talking about that on the back end of the show. Plus also as well, we've got the New York Ninja. That's right. What's the New York Ninja? I had to tell Melinda this. I had to go ahead. We got to put this on the show because it's something so crazy. Something that just was found, just this seemingly lost footage for over 30 years. Didn't have any sound to it, but they've added some sound and got it now in 4K. We'll tell you why this is going to be really a cool way to go ahead and spend a little time talking about the New York Ninja coming up later at the back end of the show. Plus also as well, we're going to talk about a lot of great things, including Marvel's What If Episode 8 as we get closer and closer to the end of that season that's coming up Ultron and all that coming out. So we'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. Thor 2, speaking of Marvel, the director of one of the worst movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe really wants a Snyder Cut. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to ask Melinda, as she's already laughing already, should every bad movie get a Snyder Cut? We'll talk no. about that coming up on the show no. later in the program. Plus also as well, what is Netflix's most popular show now around the world and what will soon become Netflix's most popular show ever? If you haven't heard what it is, it's trending worldwide. I happen to have actually caught it before it did, and I had to let Melinda know she's already checked out a little bit of it too. Why is everybody going crazy about the Squid Game? We'll tell you why coming up on the program as well. But first, Melinda, it is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. After trying to figure out a place to put it on the release schedule, they put it here, they put it there, then they moved it back, and then they moved it up. All that moving around, guess what happens? It comes out this weekend. I think a lot of people were surprised. They didn't realize it was coming out so soon. A lot of the it stars haven't done any press for it yet. Sony hasn't really done a great job yet of really letting everybody know that it's coming out this weekend. The reviews just dropped this morning as we're recording this. So it's all happening at one time. I think it's still going to do okay. People are talking about a 50 to $60 million opening at the box office, which obviously during the circumstances is very good. Unfortunately, the reviews are not something that's coming in very well. Right now, has a Metacritic score, I think, of 53, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. talk about Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of middling reviews. I know that I've seen no more than five, sixes, and a seven that's been out there so far. Not the greatest thing in the world. But again, people don't go to see many of these superhero movies to go see cutting-edge entertainment that's going to go ahead and win an Oscar, mind you. This is something that they're going to go ahead, turn off your brain, and have some popcorn-type fun. This is something that I'm really happy about in regards to Woody Harrelson because it's just so great to see someone who, you got to remember out there, people, this is a guy who started in acting in Cheers in the early 80s and still 40 years later almost is still not only just as relevant, but even more so appearing in all these big box office films. So I want to hear your thoughts, Melinda, on this. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, how do you think that's going to go over with an audience? Do you think it's going to do well? I know the circumstances aren't perfect. And again, it was moved all over the place. But still, can it find a home with moviegoers? 
I mean, even bad movies find homes with moviegoers. Sometimes when a movie is getting the worst reviews, you almost have to go to the movie to see if it's as bad as everyone is saying it is. Unfortunately, the feeling that I'm getting from all of the reviews that I've read. Also, to be fair, I would go and sit in a theater for two hours and watch Tom Hardy pick his nose for two hours. So I'm probably going to go see it, despite any I, of the I reviews. I wouldn't. I'm sorry. He, I would just give him a Kleenex halfway through. I'm sorry. You'll have to forgive <laughs> yeah. me. Well, I mean, he's read bedtime stories to me. So, well, me and millions of others. Was it just for me? That's what my It'll therapist says. But no, I'm kidding. No, the, the Venom movies, they, they kind of are what they are. Some of the reviews are kind of criticizing that the special effects make the physical actors almost seem like puppets between the big CGI scenes and, and stuff like that. You're going to a Venom movie, you're going to eat some popcorn, you're probably going to have some peanut M&Ms, maybe almond M&Ms, and you're going to enjoy a night out. That's really the bottom line for me. Yeah, the reviews are not looking good for this one. Yeah, you're trying to pump it up. You're just trying to still get it's Tom so hard. Hardy for you. Come on, I, you're trying to do it for Tom so you can I read your more bedtime stories. I get it. I get it. I get it. So yeah, don't <laughs> don't tell Robbie that. But you know what? It's still something that I think is gonna at least get a first wave of interest. And obviously the individuals out there that have to continually follow what's going on, even in a splintered off part of this universe is still something that's very important to super uh, to superhero fans out there, especially if you follow the Spider-Man series, because the Spider-Verse is something that's very important to Sony. Yes. And it's also important to Marvel to an extent, but this is most important to Sony because they want everything to branch off. Yes, they want to eventually get into a Sinister Six and have them fight against Spider-Man. That's a given, but they want this... You know, they want Venom to continue to go ahead and be that anti-hero. They want to go ahead and have Morbius when it comes out in January. They want Morbius to become someone that's going to connect with an audience. They want all these other individuals that are that are part of the Sinister Six to go ahead and have their own stories told and to be able to make money off it. So you can have this kind of Spider-Verse that branches off as a splinter off of the regular MCU and has it's still trying to relate something to the regular MCU. So I get that. I get what Sony's trying to do. It's all about the cashola at the end of the day. And because it's still not going to be the greatest in this part of the Spider-Verse, I'm still hoping it'll resonate with an audience and it won't be an afterthought. I know that hopefully if everything's done well enough that Woody Harrelson and Carnage can still have a life going forward in other movies in the Spider-Verse, in the Spider-Realm. So I'm hoping that that will happen. But your thoughts, again, in regards to where do you think that this whole Spider-Verse thing can go? I mean, obviously it's going to lead to the Sinister Six at some point in time. Obviously it's going to lead to even more movies coming out and branching off even more than what we're seeing now and with Morbius and beyond. Your thoughts on how far the Spider-Verse can go? I'm holding out and I'm reserving opinion until I see that one. Once I've seen that film, I think I'm going to be a little bit better equipped to answer that one for you. But I, I think that leading to the Sinister Six is 100% accurate. I can't imagine after we've seen, and please forgive me because I know, but after um, the success of Suicide Squad and things like that, I think that bringing the Sinister Six only makes sense. But 
how far is it going to go? I don't think that I can answer that until I've seen Morbius. I don't think that going to Venom 2 is going to be enough to answer that question. I think we need to see Morbius and then we'll have an idea. Because again, yeah. it always leads down to money, but even if Morbius and, and all the stuff that they're doing on the side, Venom and Carnage, don't end up making money, although the first Venom made over $700 million and it was one of the highest grossing R-rated movies of all time, even if this doesn't quite do as well, which I don't think it will, even in a perfect climate, I didn't think it was going to go ahead and do as well as the first. You still, like you said, going to maintain the ownership rights for Sony, making sure all these characters are remaining active. In the Spider-Verse, there's actually, I believe, nine over 900 different characters that they go ahead and can base stories off of or base movies off of because... That's how large and deep the Spider-Verse actually is as far as the comic book realm on Spider-Man side. So it'll be interesting to see how Sony continues that. I'm hoping the movie quality gets a little bit better because you can only go through so many of these mediocre superhero films before people just say, you know what, I've had enough. The quality has to continue to be there. So I'm hoping Sony understands that. Marvel doesn't have a great movie every time out either. I think that with Marvel and Sony getting together then they're working together as best they can. I'm hoping that they'll keep that to a minimum going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if we can get through the Thor movies, I'm sure we can get through a couple of, of uh, stinkers on this side as well. Uh, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Mm -hmm. But yes, it is Venom. Let there be carnage. It's right now scheduled to do between 50 and $60 million at the domestic box office. It's so funny, Melinda, because right now you've got so many movies that are out there. I mean, it just seemingly we were worried about if there was going to be any movies at one time because they were all moving to 2022. But somewhere in the world right now that's playing is, of course, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which is number one right now, the domestic box office. And now it's going to go over $200 million here domestically. It's going to be the first movie this year in the U.S. that does that. So Big props to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You've got Free Guy that's still earning money at the box office. Unfortunately, you have Dear Evan Hansen, which is tanking at the box office. And that's something I'm going to talk to Josh about on the Monday show in regards to the musicals that we've seen here and the abundance of them. I do want to go ahead and make sure everybody knows that Dune is out there already. And I can't wait to see Dune. I feel so jealous right now because it's playing all over the world melinda it's going to be earning close to a hundred million dollars already by the end of this weekend worldwide and i still wouldn't have a chance to see it yet because that's not coming out until later this month and then you've got no time to die which had its london premiere this past week so yes uh, just just crazy it's absolutely crazy all these movies all over the place i cannot wait to see a good portion of them Melinda, I mean, does it really get you amped up to go back to the movies? It, you know, it's working. It really is. I love James Bond films, and Rob and I 100% have plans to go see that one in theaters. We're going to go see Dune in theaters as well. We're going to find the, the biggest screen we can with the loudest audio that we can find. If we can find, you know, seats that shift around and do all of that weird, wonderful, wild stuff, that's what we're going to do for the Dune movie. That's how excited we are and how much we're looking forward to that one. It's going to be well, great. It is going to be great. And with No Time to Die, we will be going ahead and talking about it on next Friday's show. 
because I have another special interview for that one specifically that I already did for that show. And I cannot wait to go ahead and showcase it on that episode next week. And you Is and that I, your course, way of saying that you've interviewed Daniel Craig? No, no. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you would have known already if I would have interviewed Daniel Craig. And you would if have I wasn't scared. invited to be part of that, I yeah, know that Yeah, you friends. would probably hit me at the kneecaps if that was the case. No, no. But I do have someone that's related to the Bond IP, the Bond mystique in, in that some way. He has actually covered the Bond library, per se. And it's going to be a great interview I have coming up. And that's for next week. But for right now, it is... Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and it's going to be the number one movie this weekend. For the first time in several weeks that we haven't had something other than Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and again, all props to Shang-Chi on keeping that number one at the box office, and so many people just wanted it to fail, and you know what? Not only did it not fail, but it's been a massive hit for Marvel, so all props to Shang-Chi, but it is going to be this weekend, Venom and Let There Be Carnage. If you have thoughts on Venom, Let There Be Carnage, we'd love to hear them. Is this a movie that you really want to go ahead and check out? Is this a movie that you're going to go ahead and say, eh, I'm going to pass on it? Please let us know. Either which way, are you for or against going ahead and checking out Venom, Let There Be Carnage? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Okay, wait, wait. I I can go invisible, right? Because this is this is the absolute worst. You can so, certainly try. Okay, so that is um, uh, that's uh, obver obvination. Ob- ob- <laughs> Close ob- enough. Obvulation. It's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can. You are still naked. Oh God! The music stops, and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh God! This is the prince of the city looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast, season two, coming soon to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. Before we get to Mr. John Orlando and the PVD cast talking about the state of pro wrestling and an update on our Wednesday special PCC Extra that we dropped on our podcast outlets, Melinda, just saw this. It popped up on my YouTube algorithm the other day. <laughs> uh <Uh-oh>. oh. <laughs> and this is how I got it. And just, you know, you get all these crazy videos every now and then talking about this stuff. And then all of a sudden I see this thing called Squid Game. Oh. Squid Game. That's right. And Squid Game. <laughs> Like, what is going on with this? I see all these crazy pictures and whatnot. So I clicked on it, and I looked and researched into it. It's a Netflix series based out of Korea, and it is something that just a lot of people have really gotten interested in. And I'll tell you how popular it is coming up. It's a story of about how these, these individuals that are destitute and on their last legs financially and are broke or owe a lot of money or whatnot, they're lured into this game of death in regards to these different series of challenges and that they don't pass these series of challenges, they're killed off, literally. And it starts off with, I think, 400 and some odd individuals and it, it gets, all goes down to one. And that one yeah. individual, when they win, wins tens of billions of dollars. So, okay, gets everybody's interest. It's not real, of course. This is all a, a, a series or whatnot, but... Wait, it you mean I can't me... apply to be on that show? 
I don't think you want to. It doesn't have oh. long life expectancy. But anyways, <laughs> the things you see is, or as the story gets told, as the series continues, you get to see the inner workings of it, how the contestants work with each other, stuff behind the scenes from the people who are running the game. Then also, as it goes along, you see secrets being told, twists that are turned and all that good stuff. And you know what? This reminds me so much of the fascination a lot of people had for Parasite when they came out just a couple of years ago and how that momentum for that Korean project got to the point where it became a best picture winner. And this is something that a lot of people are so happy with. Degenerate 2018, he said, it's a new age Hunger Games with a new age battle royale. In a way, it is. So I want yeah. to ask you, Melinda, I, I will give you the response that the Netflix CEO has given after your comments on it. But I know you've had a chance to check it out. I mean, you found out about this even before I told you about it. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear your thoughts about, besides, of course, you wanted to be a part of it. This yeah. <laughs> okay. So started to watch it one night, just randomly saw it, saw that it was number one. So I was like, all right, let's hit start and see what this is all about. And we got about, gosh, maybe 12 minutes into the episode. And I turned it off just because I was like, okay, this is going to be some pretty heavy stuff. And we were imbibing. I'm not going to try to cover that up. And so I was like, perhaps we just need to go and watch some basketball anime and then we'll come back to this another time. So then you and I were, were talking about it a little bit. And last night I was like, okay, it's, it's time to really dig into this one. Gerald, six episodes later, I was like, the sun is coming up. <laughs> I have so much makeup on underneath my eyes. So I don't look like a zombie today. It's your fault. I'm blaming you a hundred percent for this one. It's okay. But it's so good. There's something so compelling about it. I don't know if it's the the humanity that it shows between the games and then the absolute character and the decisions he makes really yeah, compelling. Very. And when you are looking at you get the I guess you could call them antagonists in the in the in the show. When you're looking at them they're almost relatable because the, everybody is in the same kind of situation and everybody's choices that got them to this point are all very similar. They're all money related issues. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, you, you've got, uh, you know, a, a grandma who just loves her grandkids and, and was always fiscally responsible and things like that. Everybody has ended up here because they have made terrible decisions at some point and gotten themselves into an awful lot of trouble so then these mysterious people show up and say let's play this little game and every time you win i'm going to give you money but every time you lose something else is going to happen and i don't want to spoil too much of it but as soon as that started to happen i was like it, it's over i'm in and then the one person who does ultimately survive this contest, this survival of the fittest per se, gets the tens of millions of dollars. And it's just amazing to see the kind of intensity and drama that's brought out. I mean, a lot of people could say this is kind of hokey yes. when they watch it, but to me, it's very compelling. In fact, I think that's why it's garnered the popularity that it has because it, it's compelling, it's got emotion, and, uh, you know, it's got that car wreck mentality all at the same time. 
is something that once you yes. turn it on, well, you you turned it off, but you had to turn it back on again. And once you did, you couldn't stop watching. Same thing yeah. for so many other people. Once they turn it on, they can't stop watching. So much so that the Netflix CEO himself, Reed Hastings, he just said in an interview that this is not only the number one trending show for Netflix in the world, Mm-hmm. It is going to be in a very not too distant future the number one show all time on downloads all over the world. It's going to be the number one Netflix yep. show. And that to me, if you'd have told me something like that three, four years ago, I probably would have been surprised by it. But seeing how these projects that come out of Korea after Parasite and that just seemingly blew up and went viral everywhere. I'm not surprised anymore. This is something that's creative. It's outside the box and it plays on our morbidity that we seem to enjoy. We say we want to try to avoid things like this, but no, we really just have this fascination with this kind of series and it does get macabre. It does get emotional. It does get into something that we just love to see other people go through. And in doing so, I think it brings out the best and worst in humanity all at the same time. And if you get a chance to see it, I think you're going to be hooked. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, I, I mean, even the people who are the quote unquote, not good people in the show are compelling. So without giving away too much. And there are twists in there too. That's another big thing. So many twists, but I saw an, an unmasking last night without going into too many details. And who was behind the mask was also very surprising and made it even worse, I think, because of what the mask reveals about the people in red. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because you're yeah. always wondering about who are the individuals that are helping run these games, these horrific games, these games that prey on other people's weaknesses, these these games that ultimately could end so many lives. In fact, they, they, the idea is that they will end more than 400 lives before you, you find a winner. And to me, it's something that I think, again, you, you don't really want to watch, but then you watch it and then you can't stop watching. So it's something yeah. that it plays on a lot of emotions that we have as human beings. And it's really something that's ultimately very compelling it's something that's going to be trending for quite some time. It's something that's going to be repeated by other, you know, it's going to be remade in some form or fashion. Are you going to see it done something similar, maybe not as well, maybe not as compelling, but you're going to see something that's copied. I mean, cause you know how Hollywood is, you know how entertainment is something does well. Everybody wants a piece of the action. So you're going to see something like this done somewhere, maybe an American version of it, maybe a European versions of it, some, something like that. You'll see something like this done. It is kind of like a darker version of the Hunger Games, but I think it goes to places the Hunger Games would never go. I completely agree. The the difference is a show made for adults and books written for youth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that, that that's the kind of the the distinction between the two. I think that the the Squid Games definitely explores stuff that the Hunger Games perhaps hinted about, maybe whispered in dark corners, but Squid Games goes at it full steam. So I ask you this, Melinda, I mean, now that we know that it is something that people are going to be talking about, it's just catching on. It is going viral. I saw CNN posting something on it just yesterday 
everybody seems to be getting all into the squid game. I want to ask you this. Is this something that you're going to continuously watch if there's a season two, which is this is the most popular show now around the world and it will be the most popular show on Netflix all time very soon. I would say season two is a safe bet. Are you coming back for season two? Absolutely. It does set itself up for that. Well, I haven't gotten to the end of it yet. Again, six episodes in, but I think a good plan for anybody watching is going to be perhaps Friday, perhaps Saturday night. Order yourself a large pizza, get a few pops and set yourself up in front of the TV, hit the recline button on your chair and buckle in because before you know it, the sun will be coming up on Sunday morning or Saturday morning and uh, you're going to be wondering what have I just done? <laughs> where where did the time go? Because the show is is so good. I can't even put my finger on what about it. That is so good, but it's really great. And like you said, it, it's compelling. It touches on the best and the worst of us. And it really unflinchingly holds a mirror up to what your own decisions would be. Yeah, I think you're exactly right on that. You've hit it right on the head. And I think people need to go ahead and check this out. It is the Squid Game. I mean, it is just truly something that is going to be what people are going to be talking about. It's even got more notoriety than Stranger Things. It's got more notoriety right now than Tiger King. And we all knew how Tiger King was trending last year during the pandemic. This is something that a lot of people are really getting into. And it's the Squid Game. You're going to hear a lot more about it now. If you didn't know about it already, you are definitely going to be hearing a lot more about it in the coming days and weeks to come. This is going to be something that I think 2021 is going to be known for. Hey, you remember 2021? Oh, yeah, it had this, it had this, it had this, and the Squid Game. So what's a Squid Game? We'll check it out because you won't stop watching. So we want to hear your thoughts. If the Squid Game is going to be something that you have checked out, or you will check out because it is Netflix's number one show now and all time. That's in the not too distant future. So it is mm -hmm. right now the most popular show on Netflix. It is the Squid Game. What are your thoughts on the Squid Game? Please share it with us. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. We're coming up after the break. It is John Orlando from the PVD cast. He's stopping by for part two of our conversation on the state of professional wrestling as we give you an update what's happened in recent times and is that going to affect in a positive or negative manner our thoughts on the state of pro wrestling he's going to share his thoughts right after the break this is the pcc multiverse if you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are. And you gotta check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. And yes, I was just talking to my guest offstage and bring him up to speed on the Squid Game <laughs> so we could get him all centered up to go ahead and check out the Squid Game. But that's up to him. But I'm pretty sure that he'll be like the rest of the world and get hooked on the Squid Game. 
But here's here today to follow up on something that I just dropped on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, wherever you get your podcast. So if you're listening to this, taped it in August, but I dropped it actually on Wednesday that discusses in detail what we thought at the time on the state of pro wrestling heading into the latter months of 2021. So we went into detail, our thoughts, what was wrong, what could be fixed, what we liked, mostly what we didn't like, and mostly what we thought of the product that's out there. Since then, we've had major announcements, major signings, major appearances, major cards, and a lot of major stuff going on there to keep that major theme going. And here today to go ahead and follow up with me on this in part two of our conversation is a good man indeed. Please check out the PVD cast at pvdcast.com. It's an awesome pop culture show that discusses a whole bunch of great topics. It is John Orlando and John, great to have you back in. Always great to have you here again. You and I, we'd love to go ahead for another hour, two hours talking, <laughs> but we're only going to cover a few minutes this time because I just okay. wanted to update you on this. Everyone out there, our thoughts on it, because since then, AEW has had a major event called AEW All Out. SummerSlam here in Vegas. It was a good-sized hit. Didn't sell out, because I actually was in the building this past Sunday, and I know it didn't sell out. At, and it was right around 50,000 people. And I know that that stadium can hold more than 50,000 people. So, But 50,000 is a good individual crowd for las vegas it's a good showing there but we've seen these major cards plus major appearances by cm punk who signed on we got brian danielson who signed on both with aew we've got adam cole who left the wwe and nxt to aew all these major things have happened for aew the ratings themselves have been pretty good Averaging now slightly over 1 million on a regular basis for their main show, Dynamite. While on the WWE side, they're averaging still right around the 2.3 million mark as well. They've been keeping steady. I want to hear your thoughts on our conversation now that we had, thinking back on it. I know a lot of momentum is on AEW side. I know a lot of people are enjoying AEW. They've kept their audience you know, after that big bump up that they got with CM Punk, they mainly kept mm -hmm. it. Is there anything you want to change from that original conversation that we had? <laughs> How about all of it? Really? <laughs> I, mean, I think we were frustrated. We were thinking about, you know, all of the things that were wrong and, and, and really had some doubts about moving forward in 2021. Look, it, it's, it's amazing how when you add three or four established stars – to a roster, how that can switch momentum around. You mentioned Punk, you mentioned Brian Danielson, you mentioned Adam Cole. You can't forget about Ruby Soho, who has come over to AEW. And it seems that, they're granted they're established, but that has given AEW a tremendous amount of momentum. It, it's even at work, I've had two people say, hey, I watched this AEW, Punk is back, CM Punk. Like, it's making an impact. It's moving the needle, whatever you want to say. And I don't know if I would have thought that Rampage and Dynamite would have helped move the needle and make such an impact a few months ago. But I got to admit when I'm wrong, they're, they're making moves, they're getting momentum, and they're keeping it moving. But the thing is, the WWE isn't. And that, I think, is what is maybe a red flag. Couple last questions I want to hit you up with. Sure. Again, I appreciate so much the time that you've given me over the course of the past 
few months talking pro wrestling. Once again, it's John Orlando from the PVD cast. Please go ahead and check out his awesome show today at pvdcast.com. Two last things I want to ask you. One is obviously the WWE. WWE made a major title switch within the past week in regards to bringing Big E the title. And I want to ask your thoughts on that. I think it's a sign in the right direction. Bobby Lashley was a champion as the monster, as someone who could really get over as a big, huge guy, but he can only give you so much as far as a broader appeal because he just didn't have the charisma, in my opinion. Big E, with his time working as one-third of one of the greatest tag teams of all time, it just seems like he can possibly be a charismatic individual that could help get the WWE back in the right direction. They're in a holding pattern right now that's okay, like I said, above 2 million on viewers on both Raw and SmackDown, but to get them in a better direction, because right now, if you look at the landscape, AEW is getting a lot of the press. I think this helps get them in that right direction. I think it was a smart move to put the title on Big E. He won the money in the bank, so you have him cash in, you have him win. I, I think it's a good idea. I think it, it refreshes the roster a little bit. And I agree with you. I think that Bobby Lashley, though, I will give him credit, over the last year has gotten better at portraying his heel character, I feel. I always thought that Bobby Lashley was boring as all get out. I really did. I, I never was interested in well, him. Well, it hurts when the guy on the other side, again, this is why they should do just one title in WWE yes. as far as they, but when the other guy is doing the same gimmick that you are, it really doesn't help. It, it doesn't help your cause at all. Right, and he's doing it better on the other yeah. on the other show than you are doing. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Let's give Big E a shot. Think that he again has some charisma the fans like him. I just think again, much like we talked with AEW, let's see how they book him. I hope that they book him in a way that showcases everything that he does well, but yet also kind of hides some of those weaknesses. I think if they book him in a in the proper way, I think Big E is it will be a very popular champion and probably hold that belt for a few months. Last question. Well, actually, I've got two. I'm going to bring another one okay. in there because it just popped into my head, and that's a scary thought. But the second to last question is on the rest of the landscape of professional wrestling because you've got AAA, you've got New Japan, you've got ROH, you've got MLW, you've got Impact. You've got quite a few of longstanding individual companies that are out there with new japan probably getting the most high profile acclaim because of what they've done in their own country and the fact they've been able to get some penetration here in the united states i want to ask you though do you see any of these companies going ahead and making a big imprint or a bigger imprint i know impact had the rub from aew but ultimately it's not turned out super for them i just it just became the point where it's there and and AEW stars they go there occasionally and you know that's great but mostly we know Christian Cage in his time as Impact Champion now on AEW because he spends most of his time on AEW so I want to hear your thoughts on that is there any kind of advancement New Japan probably has the most money out of all these organizations but do you see any one of these organizations becoming a bigger threat to the landscape of the pro wrestling scene Ooh, that's a great question. I feel like Ring of Honor has the heritage. They have the tradition. But watching their television product, they got to get out of this mindset that they have booked themselves in where everybody has to be part of a stable. 
it's boring. We go back to the DOA, you know, and, and Los Bariquas, and then you had the Nation of Domination, and that was all fine and good once, but they're seeming to fall into that as well, which I know is kind of modeled after New Japan, but I just feel New Japan does it better. I, I think Ring of Honor has the opportunity because they are, obviously, you know, they, they are, um, Sinclair Broadcasting owns them. Sinclair Broadcasting has deeper pockets than, say, MLW or Impact or AAA, I, I imagine. But they, they've had it for so long, and they've always treated it like, oh, it's this little wrestling thing, uh, that I don't give them any credit. It's like TBS and WCW for a long time. It was just this nice little earner of ratings on Saturday, and it was that was it. It's just wrestling, just wrestling. And I just don't see Sinclair ever saying, you know what, we're going to go ahead and invest a lot of money in this because this is something we can build as foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, WCW finally was thought of as a foundation for a while with the NWO and Hulk Hogan. You know what happened there with the ratings for 83 weeks. I mean, that it became a foundation for AEW is something that TNT and TBS sees. You know what? We can go ahead and use this as a nice little ratings earners for us so we can go ahead and, and keep going with them going forward. I just don't see Sinclair and RH just ever becoming that powerhouse that, you know, I think it could have been. Because the power of syndication, if done right, is still there. And, and you know what? That's exactly it. I, I feel like MLW, if they could secure a good television contract, I think that that would be the promotion that might make some waves. I think they have some great talent there. It's unfortunately, though, that you know they have a YouTube show. They, I think they still have a Vice show. I'm not even sure if that's still airing on, on noon on uh, Saturdays or whatnot. You know, I think those two companies, if, if Ring of Honor could finally get, I don't know, their heads out of the rear end and start booking things the, as a strong alternative in terms of hard-hitting wrestling and not sports entertainment, I think that they would have a good shot at it. But I don't know. It's going to take something to ignite one of those co- one of those companies to becoming the, the number three promotion, if you will, the, the modern-day ECW, so to speak. I don't know. I, I don't have, I, I think new Japan has just got it just simply by the, the sure. process of elimination. The fact that they do so well in Japan and they're, they're kind of a cult thing and they can still sell out Madison square garden occasionally. And, you know, as long as they do these spot shows in the U S and they can still have their niche, but right now I don't see a number three in the landscape. I'm hoping that will change, mm-hmm. but I don't see a true number three on the landscape here in the American marketplace. I'd say new Japan is closest to it, but they're still a long ways away. But the last question I have for you, my friend, is this. Let's go ahead and go into time. Let's go Let's go. put on the glasses, put on the helmet. We're going to go forward into time, the end of 2022. <laughs> We're going to go in there to the end of 2022. And I've got a question to ask you. Will this race be closer or will AEW find a way to be ahead of WWE? Or will the WWE finally find a way to go ahead and solve their issues and become substantially better once again than the AEW? Right now, on a television product, I mean, still, you know, right now, literally, it's twice the market size for their main shows as opposed to AEW. But when it comes to house shows, when it comes to earning money, when it comes to revenue, when it comes to merchandising, it's more on an even plane. So I ask you, my friend, when it comes to the end of 2022 and you and I are talking about it then, what do you think you'll be saying 15 months from now? Wow. Uh, 
Ah, wow. Um, man, you got me on this one, Gerald. I don't. I really don't know how to respond. I would like to think that the WWE will get their act together, and if they're not winning over AEW, they're at least neck and neck with them. But I just still feel like they're very out of touch with wrestling fans right now and I think that's because of a variety of reasons that we could talk about from now till the morning that would be the state of pro wrestling part three (laughs) yeah okay I'm gonna say that at the end of 2022 AEW is beating the WWE just by a small margin but they're still beating them Fair enough, fair enough. And that's an overall outlet. That's, sure. you know, yeah. not just numbers at, in the house shows, numbers at stadiums, numbers and merchandising, that's numbers in television. So that's very interesting to say the least. I mean, the landscape hopefully will be different this time next year. Will it be for the WWE? Will it be for AEW? Will it be for someone else? Who knows? But John, it's been great having you on once again. I'm looking forward to bringing you back on. A lot more talking the squared circle and pro wrestling. Anytime. Anytime. Just let me know. We'll even talk the squid game if you ever check it out. (laughs) Let us know, my friend, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Want to thank so much John Orlando from the PVD cast for stopping by not only once, but twice this week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, wherever you get your podcasts. Belinda, before we get into Marvel's What If and... Thor 2, which I never thought I would be talking about again unless it's in bad terms. It's really one of my worst choices on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which they can read my big article on my rankings 1 to 25 on popculturecosmos.com. But Melinda, before we head on out, you've got a big weekend with Vampires and Vitae, don't you? Oh, man, do we ever. Yeah, we are, gosh, how many more sleeps is it? What's the date today? Today is Thursday, so we've it's got one. It's a squid two, game. Two. Just forget yeah, Vampires right. of Vitae. Just play. <laughs> what if you change Vampires of Vitae to the squid game? To the squid game. Hmm. There might be something there. there. There could be something there. All right. There could be something I mean, our there. neighbors might call when things start to get heated up there in the backyard, but. That's I'll okay. You'll it. just knock them off like the rest of the contestants. <laughs> terrible but yeah vampires and vitae we're we're getting excited well i mean we've been excited for the last four or five weeks about it but it's crunch time now we're finalizing backdrops they're finally properly hung we have our lighting and camera angles sorted out we're finalizing some streaming stuff on saturday we are ready to go and we are going to come out swinging. So hopefully you will tune in to check it out. Vampires and Vitae, if you're just joining, is a tabletop role-playing game. We use Vampire the Masquerade, the fifth edition of the books, which just came out this year. And it's been a a bit of a resurgence in popularity for that particular tabletop game. So you'll get an opportunity to watch those players as they learn the game 
and get ready for some of that classic vampires and vitae hijinks is the word i'll use <laughs> looking forward to it is vampires and vitae please check it out previous episodes are already available wherever you get your podcast and looking forward for season two of vampires and vitae coming to the pop culture cosmos but before we head on out, Melinda, Marvel's What If is getting closer to the end of season one. It's coming right now to a cataclysmic battle between the forces of good and the different forces of evil, one of which is Ultron. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. This is kind of like the Vision Ultron because it has vision stored within the confines of Ultron. As right. he's creating havoc, and he has the Infinity Gauntlet that he made. He's rocking all the stones that in Loki we found out or can just be put under Paper a desk weights. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Used there. to level <laughs> chairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So along with that Honus Wagner multi-million-dollar baseball card, that was a nice mm. little add-on there. I remember that scene fondly because of that. So I want to hear your thoughts though on Marvel's What If. This is kind of like an Infinity War, an Infinity War to an end game coming up for episode nine i want to hear your thoughts on though episode eight how is it setting up for the rest of the series this last episode coming up next week honestly gerald when i watch that one and you know that i've been a fan of of everything that they've done even the first episode which i know that you weren't a huge fan of um okay. <laughs> it was okay i'm here for everything that they're doing in what if i love that party Thor was awesome. I rewatched that and I enjoyed that so much more. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I really think that they've done a great job of, I want to say keeping the integrity of the Marvel universe, but this is kind of taking that and flipping it all on its head. But I've really enjoyed how they have explored these different possibilities and all of these alternate scenarios that they've brought in. It's really been enjoyable and it's been a really fun ride. And at the end of the day, that's all that you need to ask for from your entertainment. I got to agree with you. I didn't think I was going to say that at the beginning. And, and I'm glad for Marvel that they have another series that they can count on for people to watch next year when season two comes out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. And, you know, I, I know that the, the what if stuff definitely has its detractors. But for me, it's been a fun kind of retake on some of the stories that we've come to love so much. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And that's all I ask. Speaking of retakes, Alan Taylor, director of <laughs> Thor 2, The Dark World. No, I can't. No, I can't. Okay. He was recently in the news. Yeah, he Why? was. Why? He wants to do a what if. <sighs> what if Thor 2, no. The Dark World, had its own Snyder Cut? Because that's what he was... I'm paraphrasing now, but... <laughs> He basically, in this interview, said that he wanted to go ahead and have his own Snyder Cut or retelling, extended version of Thor 2 that he feels would make it so much better than where it stands now in the Pantheon, the MCU, which many of me, I, I don't, I'm not alone in, in thinking that Thor 2 was really at the bottom of the barrel for the MCU. There's a lot of other people who think the same thing. So he knows it, and he's heard about it now for almost 10 years. So be right. that as it may, I want to hear your thoughts, Melinda. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, should this film get a re-look-see as a Snyder Cut? And then we'll get into the larger question of doing this as a habit and a practice. So before we get into that larger question, 
the smaller question is should thor 2 get a snyder cut no <laughs> you know <laughs> you, you sounded so unsure of yourself there i'm kidding, I'm kidding. no and and i apologize i'm a little bit biased on this one because i didn't enjoy the thor movies they were my least favorite and that breaks my heart because i love thor i love hemsworth but there was just something about the movies that just didn't do it for me and i'm not sure what it is is a recut gonna save it at this point for me no I don't and think it's going to be for anyone. No, and why? Why? If you have a better movie in the can, why is that not the movie that you released in the first place? I'm sorry, Mr. Taylor, but a Taylor cut, it's not going to cut it. The second question I have for you is, I mean, when you talk about a lot of these movies, these large budgeted, big action movies that don't connect with an audience, that they do tank and they do bomb. I mean, the airs cut, for the Suicide Squad has been talked about now since the Snyder Cut became a hit. And, you know, David Ayers wants to go ahead and have his own Ayers Cut. I mean, let's talk about something this weekend that didn't get the critical response that a lot of people were hoping for. But it still might do well at the box office. Let's take Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Should there be a Andy Circus Cut because he's the one that directed this? Should he get a new circus cut because of that? I mean, every bad movie, should we, because there's extra footage on virtually every movie that's been made, you know, in the past 20, 30 years, should we get an extra cut of all these movies just because they were bad? And would, would that necessarily make them better? I'm going to say for 99% of these movies, no, it would not make them substantially better. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the Snyder cut, they got away with it, but when you sit down and you look at the Alan Taylor situation, you're just like, dude, no, no, you don't need that. You haven't earned it. I don't have words, Gerald. It's not necessary. <laughs> Please don't. Should Thor 2, The Dark World, should that be given a Taylor cut? A Snyder cut-like extended release in what he thinks would change the entire scope of how everybody sees that movie which is not exactly the most beloved in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I have my positive take. If they do extended scenes and extended cuts and stuff like that, it's more time to nap. Oh my gosh. It's perfect. <laughs> what are your thoughts out there on a Taylor cut of Thor 2 The Dark World? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, Melinda, it's been a great episode, but one last thing before we head on out. And, you know, I love these little quirky things that happen in pop culture, which just pop out seemingly out of nowhere that nobody asked for. And just it's so funny because a movie just is going to come out. It's a, a 1984 movie that was filmed by martial arts actor John Liu. It was his only American production. And... For whatever reason, I guess maybe it's financing or something happened that the project was just abandoned. He he had the the video for it. He filmed it, and just before it became a finished product, it just got abandoned. Well, about thirty five years later, this film has been uncovered. And one thing though, they had the video for it and they restored it to four K, but they didn't have the audio, so they re-recorded all the vocal acts on it. But the thing is, they did it with individuals many of which people would know from those days in the 80s when kung fu movies were really popular so we've got individuals like don the dragon wilson cynthia rothrock bringing her <laughs> back to do this as a voice character on it so 
it just really rocks. It's a story about a guy who's working for the news station. His pregnant wife gets murdered, so he goes on a rampage and seeks his vengeance as New York Ninja. It is totally campy. It is something that people are going to probably laugh at, but it does showcase, again, a lot of that quirky, campy, low-budget film fun and charm of those 1980 movies. Your thoughts, do you want to go ahead and become a New York Ninja? Yes. Right. <laughs> I but can't you got wait. a chance to check out the video on the concept, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I watched what you sent me yesterday and I am so here for it. It's almost embarrassing. I love B movies from the 80s. Oh, this is man, a B movie. So good. Oh, it's like a D movie, but it's going to be spectacular, campy, fun. And I am going to have to have some of like my dad's favorite snacks because that's what my dad and I used to do together all the time was sit down and watch the cheesiest possible like sci-fi fantasy kung fu movies all b-level movies and that was just the thing that we loved so much together and it was really something that we shared so the fact that this is coming out like i have goosebumps i'm so excited for this movie well the charm in this one and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with b-movies involving stars like you know yes. morgan freeman or bruce yeah. willis or you know you'll see a lot of name actors when you pass by the red box this yes. has a different feel because it's a total b campy movie that was made in the 80s to me it's just going to have that charm from that yes. era it yeah. embraces it yeah and yeah. It's, it's just something totally different than what you're seeing when you pass by and see all those hey i didn't know that superstar was in that movie that just came out there's a difference between this movie and those movies, I think, because those movies are sent to die. Those movies are sent to Redbox or they were sent back to the video stores, whatever they can get. And then you're done with it because it just wasn't going to appeal to a mass audience. This was campy fun. That was just something that in, it was going to be intended to just run in a few theaters and be something that was long since forgotten. But the thing was, it was long since forgotten, but now it's been remembered. And now it's been restored in 4K, and now it's been given all new voice acting from some of the most popular stars of that era. This is going to be a really cool thing, and I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, I can't wait either. I'm sorry, Gerald, I can't remember. Is it is it going into theaters, or is it like a straight-to-TV situation? Uh, I'm checking out the article now, and it seems like it's going to be a limited release. Uh, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be shown in too many theaters. It is going to be at Film Fest, and then it's going to be out on video on demand and DVD later this fall. And It's mainly going to be caught for most people out there on video on demand, but this could be another situation, and I'm hoping so, like Squid Game, where it goes viral and people just have to see it. Absolutely. What I'm getting, Gerald, is I'm sensing a pop culture cosmos watch party slash everybody get your popcorn and let's sit down and watch this movie together and we'll just have some laughs and just enjoy the cheese. I'm so excited. I'd love to do that. Maybe we can even sneak that into a recording somehow or stream it. Ooh, so yeah, somehow, yeah. That. Yes, and, and cut jokes along the way as only we can, but... <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts out there. Are you going to go ahead and check out this blast from the past, New York Ninja? It's a movie coming out later this year to video on demand and DVD. I hope you get a chance to because, it, again, it embraces that campy 1980s B-movie magic 
that I think is rarely repeated today. So oh, we I'm hear your thoughts. Tearing up. I'm so excited about it. There you go, indeed. <laughs> so we want to hear your thoughts on New York Ninja. Do you want to be a New York Ninja? Please let yes. us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, Melinda's already. She's, she's going to go get the <laughs> outfit on right now after the show. But Melinda, it has been a great pleasure having you on as always. I love talking about all these fun projects that are coming up. It's always fun talking about the Squid Game, New York Ninja, just all this mm-hmm. good stuff that's coming out that people yes. are talking about. And that's always good for pop culture. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, Alan Taylor, it's not necessary. (laughs) I think that's all that needs to be said on that. (laughs) So for Melinda Barkhouse, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. Welcome to the Ring of Thunder, the most electrifying wrestling podcast in the Thunderverse and the ESO Network. From the power of the people's host, Sexy Thor, critics say, it doesn't matter what the critics say. You already know you're in for a hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, hair raising time with this weekly wrestling adventure, WWE, AEW, Impact, and whatever else I can possibly fit. If you hear what the Thunder is talking. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.